Welcome to Soul Food Sneakers Podcast. I am Dustin, your host, and I'll be hanging out with you today while we talk about the best sneaker books of all time. With the recent release of Russ Bankston's A History of Basketball and 15 Sneakers, I thought it a good time to dig into the history of sneaker books and compile a list of the best reads in regards to kicks and kicksology. Bankston says in the introduction of his new book that basketball and sneakers go hand in hand, that you can't explore the history of one without exploring the history of the other, and that to try to separate the two would only end up telling half the story. And he's right. In order to function at the highest level and make the most money, basketball needs the sneaker industry and the sneaker industry needs basketball. Sure, you can play basketball in tennis shoes and you could take away all of Nike's basketball sneakers and they would still have runners, skateboarding, tennis, football, and lifestyle shoes to sell, but they wouldn't have Jordan. And Jordan wouldn't make, what was it, $3 million every six days or something? So yes, while it was running shoes that got Nike's foot in the door and there were basketball shoes like the Air Force One before Michael Jordan, it was the Air Jordan One in 1985 that made Nike an eternal powerhouse and made Michael Jordan, the man, a global icon. So basketball and sneakers are peanut butter and jelly, and while a history of basketball and 15 sneakers is honestly one of the best, most informative, most entertaining books that I have read that explores that intersection, there are several other books in this category that must also be found. The most obvious place to start is at Slam Magazine. Slam is and has been the Bible of basketball since its inception in 1994. Ironically, the magazine materialized while Jordan was retired and playing semi-pro baseball in Hoover, Alabama for the Birmingham Barons. Slam's first issue dropped in May of 1994 and featured the Charlotte Hornets' Larry Johnson on the cover. It also had features on Charles Barkley, Jason Kidd, and John Starks. What it didn't have was anything about the Houston Rockets, who would go on to win the NBA championship a few months later, and then win it again in 1995, taking advantage of the last full season without Michael Jordan before he and the Chicago Bulls would go on to win three chips in a row, including one on the back of a 72-10 season, the most wins by a team in a single season up to that point. The Golden State Warriors would beat that record by one game exactly 10 years later, posting 73-9, and but they would fail to win the championship, which went to the LeBron James-led Cavaliers. Warriors owner Joe Lacob later said that Michael Jordan told him at a dinner in New York after the finals, 73 don't mean shit. Scottie Pippen also told Gary Payton that it don't mean a thing without that ring. So obviously the 95-96 Bulls consider themselves the superior team. At the back of that first slam issue was a feature called Slamboyant Sneaks, showcasing some of the best in mid-90s basketball shoes. This feature became so popular that in 1998, Slam turned it into its own magazine, Slam Kicks, whose first issue featured Kevin Garnett on the cover and whose editor-in-chief was none other than Russ Bankston, future author of A History of Basketball and 15 Sneakers. Another former editor of Slam Magazine also wrote a book about basketball and sneakers. Scoop Jackson, who also co-founded the hip-hop mag XXL, was still at Slam when Nike asked him to write a book about their basketball history, giving him access to their whole database of images, ideas, secrets, and history, making shoes for ball players since the early 70s when they dropped the low-top Bruin and the high-top Blazer. 
Scoop's book, Soul Provider, which came out in 2000 and has been sadly out of print for many years, but is still worth tracking down if you can find it, tells the story of Nike and basketball via the archives with Snoop's thoughts and observances throughout. It's a beautiful, detailed book with pages overflowing with beautiful images and the sharply honed prose that has won Scoop several Sports Journalist of the Year awards throughout his career. Anyone who likes sneakers can talk about sneakers, and anyone who watches basketball can talk about basketball. When Russ Bankston and Scoop Jackson talk about sneakers and basketball, it's coming from a place of true love and authority. You know you'll be in good hands. It's worth noting that Slam released its own basketball sneaker book called Slam Kicks, Basketball Sneakers That Changed the Game, in 2013. The book features contributions from Scoop and Russ, as well as Lang Whitaker, another former Slam editor who now works for the Memphis Grizzlies and is co-host of a podcast with Russ about his 15 sneakers book. Of course, there is no point in talking about books that lean in and pay tribute to the history and relationship between sneakers and basketball without talking about Bobito Garcia's lovingly observed and densely curated tribute to New York City sneakers and basketball in the 2003 book, Where'd You Get Those? New York City's Sneaker Culture, 1960 to 1987. As the very detailed title suggests, this is a book strictly for sneaker historians and OGs. The very beloved book looks like a catalog and reads like an oral history. Bobito and a collection of friends and legends who were there and were as immersed as he was in the sneaker and basketball scenes of New York City during the nearly 30-year period the book covers, take us on a trip down memory lane. The book begins, as Bankston's does, in the 60s with the Converse Chuck All-Star and ends in 87 when, as Bobito puts it, sneaker culture died. Although he does have a chapter on what he calls slept-on butters that came out after 1987. In the 10th anniversary edition of the book, this chapter includes kicks that were released all the way up to 2010 with the Converse Player Evo, a shoe that Bobito, as of 2013 anyway, said were his favorite sneakers of the past 10 years. Never heard of the Converse Player Evo? No one has, which is the point of the chapter. What I do know you've heard of, if you call yourself a sneakerhead of any skill or education, is Bobito's book, which is the best non-Jordan early history of basketball sneakers you can read. Because while the Air Jordan 1 is mentioned, it is mentioned with more disdain than warm nostalgia. Why are Bobito and his friends hating on Jordans? Read the book and find out. Despite not out-and-out praising Nike's most famous athlete's footwear, the brand did bless the man with several of his own Air Force Ones, a shoe Bobito does praise and worship, along with some of the world's most public and outspoken sneakerheads like DJ Clark Kent and Fat Joe, both of whom who have Air Force Ones of their own and both of whom who have recently released Air Force Ones of their own in Fat Joe's Terror Squad pack in black and white and white and blue, and in DJ Clark Kent's Friends and Family only release The List. A pair of multicolored kicks with the words God's Favorite stitched on the back, as in God's Favorite DJ. Bobito actually did seven AF1s to help celebrate the shoe's 25th anniversary in 2007, and 10 years later, Nike asked several prominent artists to give it a spin with their take on the model for its 35th birthday, which they called the AF100 collection. Amongst the models were a Travis Scott version with removable silver swooshes, an acronym version with a zipper down the side, an off-white version in, well, white, and the return of the all-white Rockefeller 
version of the shoe, which features the record label's logo etched into the heel and was originally only available to the artists signed to the label. All of the AF100 kicks were in white. Maybe Nike asked them to be, but despite the thousands of different iterations over the years, if you know anything about this model, you know that its most popular version is its simplest and its cheapest, the Air Force One Low 07 in all white. Passion for the Chunky Souled Superstar has spawned songs, fashions, artwork, documentaries, and yes, books. Every book about sneakers is going to mention the AF1 at some point. If it's worth its weight in paper, it will have a dedicated chapter to the shoe. But in 2022, world-famous sneaker boutique and collaborator extraordinaire Atmos, along with long-running Japanese sneaker magazine Shoes Master, got together and assembled a proper tribute in book form to the famous footwear for its 40th anniversary. That's called Sneaker Heritage by Shoes Master, and it features over 200 pages of the world's most famous and celebrated collabs and colorways of the Air Force One. The book is filled with beautiful, glossy photographs of the shoes, along with written blurbs about each one, interviews with some famous Japanese AF1 fans, and a written history of the shoe in the back of the book. The book was exclusively available in Japan, although it does feature writing in both English and Japanese. And to secure a copy, you're looking at well over a hundred bucks, probably. But if you're a fan of the shoe, it's a must-have. Another DJ Clark Kent sneaker collab that has become a highly sought-after grail and has found its way into a book is his work on the Nike LeBron 7 called the All Black Everything, a sneaker which is obviously all black and was limited to just 24 pairs. Along with his sneaker passion, Clark Kent is best known as the DJ who not only helped pull Jay-Z off the streets and encouraged him to sell records instead of crack, but also introduced Jay to the notorious B.I.G. He's also produced songs for both, as well as for Rakim, Slick Rick, and Rick Ross. The sneaker's title comes from a Jay-Z song, and the sneaker is a tribute to both Jay and LeBron and their enduring friendship over the years. You can read more about it in the fantastic sneaker book Collab, Sneakers, and Culture by Elizabeth Semelhack, who is the creative director and senior curator of the Beta Shoe Museum and has written several excellent books on sneakers, including Out of the Box, The Rise of Sneaker Culture, Future Now, Virtual Sneakers to Cutting Edge Kicks, and Shoes, The Meaning of Style. But Collab is her best and features excellent entries on some of the world's most celebrated sneaker pairings, including the Union Air Jordan 1, which also graces the cover of the book, the famed Nike SB Lobster Dunk, the Tom Sachs Mars Yard, a Reebok Insta Pump Fury collab with Chanel I had no, no idea even existed before I read the book, and one of my favorites, Nike's Air Max 90 Bacon with Dave's Quality Meats. The book also features a nice several-page spread on Virgil Abloh's The Ten with his off-white label, perhaps the most celebrated Nike collaboration in history, if you don't count Michael Jordan himself. Abloh, who passed away in 2021, is another name that is going to be mentioned probably several times in any book in which sneakers are spoken. If you want to dive deeper, not only into these sneakers the man produced, but into the very depths of his creative process, you need to get the book Virgil Abloh Icons by famed premium bookmakers Taskin out of Germany. Icons is a large format coffee table book that pays tribute to Abloh's Nike collaborations up to the time the book was released in 2020. 
What's fascinating about the book is the way in which Taskin took the same work in progress design aesthetic of Virgil's sneaker work and applied it to the book itself. This means an intentionally unglued spine, something which made many purchasers of the book think they had received a damaged copy, as well as different paper stocks and even sizes of paper for the different sections of the book separated by theme. After some introductions by Avlo admirers, including famed Japanese designer Hiroshi Fujiwara, we are treated to several hundred pages of glossy photographs detailing every step of Virgil's creative process. Nike sneakers that have been ripped up, pulled apart, stitched back together, and drawn on with Sharpie give us a glimpse as to how his eventual work on the 10 came to be and why it changed the entire landscape of sneaker design forever. Today, sneakers that look intentionally aged and distressed release on a weekly basis. That aesthetic started with the 10. Alongside the production photos are Virgil's notes, diary entries, and text messages that show us a true genius spitballing his ideas and seeing which ones will stick. Towards the back of the book, on rougher, less polished paper, is a detailed lexicon of every word or idea that has anything to do with Virgil Abloh and Nike's partnership. It's obvious Taskin's intention with this project was to make you an expert on the topic, not unlike the intention of this podcast you're listening to right now. And they do succeed. There is a mind-boggling amount of insight to gain from this volume, which is widely available and should be required reading for anyone interested in sneaker design or in design in general. And staying with Nike for a moment, they've released several of their own books over the years, including the Scoop Jackson one we spoke about earlier. The most interesting one, though, as especially as it relates to icons, is their 2021 fight and release, Better is Temporary. Fiden is another luxury bookmaker who releases very similar books with very similar themes to the ones at Taskin. Fiden, who are located in New York, obviously read Taskin's icons and decided to apply that aesthetic to their own history of the famed swoosh. Better is Temporary also features an unorthodox spine. It features different paper stocks and also features pages upon pages of sneaker designs, views, and interviews from industry types, and an almost complete catalog of Nike's silhouettes and collaborative gems. Would I call this a ripoff of icons? No, just inspired by, perhaps. It is a large, beautiful book, though, and an exhaustive examination of Nike's history in the footwear market. And if you're more of an Adidas fan, in 2020, Taskin released the Adidas Archive, which is more or less the same idea as better is temporary with all 69 years of Adidas shoes represented. That book comes in two editions, a massive coffee table version, which is itself the size of a small coffee table, and a much smaller, more compact version for people who don't want to shell out for the big boy or just don't have the space for it anywhere. Interestingly, the book doesn't really spend any time on some of Adidas's more noteworthy collaborations. There's nothing about Yeezy, for example, or any of Pharrell Williams's many Adidas releases. It focuses more on the Adidas classics canon. Fiden and Taskin actually have a collaboration of their own in the sneaker book market, sort of. In 2018, Taskin released a massive coffee table retrospective of Sneaker Freaker, the world's best sneaker magazine, which started in Melbourne, Australia in 2002. It's almost 700 pages long, contains 15 years of Sneaker Freaker goodness inside, and has been an invaluable resource for many of the pods Soul Food has produced. 
A few years later, in 2021, Fiden uh, released Sold Out, the golden age of sneaker advertising, which was also assembled by Sneaker Freaker and contains even more content, over 700 pages this time, of sneaker advertisements from back in the day. And if that wasn't enough, Sneaker Freaker just announced recently a third book and another by Taskin, which will release in the following months and is called World's Greatest Sneaker Collections. According to the magazine, the massive tome will be 750 pages of the biggest, rarest, and most expensive collections on earth. This speaks to me. No, I don't have one of the world's best sneaker collections, but I do consider myself a collector. I have a voracious appetite for the things that I love. This whole episode was born from my collection of books, a collection that keeps growing, that themselves contain collections of sneakers within them. Sneaker Freaker's creator and editor-in-chief, Woody, knows the collector's brain all too well, so who better to make a whole book about it? An honorable mention in regards to all of this Sneaker Freaker book talk has to go to Sneaker Freaker the book 2002-2005. to which is a collection of Sneaker Freaker's first six issues. A nice gesture by the magazine, as individually these first six issues go for big money. Whether or not you consider that an actual book is up to you, but there's no doubt the fantastic content makes it worth tracking down. As we've seen with the books mentioned so far, some of the best sneaker books have come from outside of the United States, where sneakers as we know them today were born and bred. And one place that has produced some of the best sneaker books that money can buy, which is good because they aren't cheap, is Paris, France, fashion capital of the world. In 2006, journalist Michael Dupoy took his stand against repeated warnings that print was dead or dying, that magazines were irrelevant in the future of our engagement with words and images were our screens. He decided to assemble a book that would look back on the year in luxury goods and clothing, fine art, and limited edition kicks. He called it All Gone, the finest of street culture. If the first one did well, he'd do one every year and every year since he has. The finest of street culture 2022, as a matter of fact, is sitting on my bookshelf as we speak. To be fair, as the title points out, All Gone is not strictly a sneaker book. It's a book filled with gorgeously assembled, highly curated items from all corners of the cultural landscape. The 2022 edition has clothing from Palace and Calvin Klein, football jerseys from Verdi and Paris Saint-Germain, a bear brick from Clot, cause figures from Medicom Toys, a cookie jar designed by New York artist Todd James and released by Pharrell's Billionaire Boys Club, a porcelain planter sculpture by Johnson Sang, an incense holder by Dr. Wu for Neighborhood, even teddy bears by Verdi's Girls Don't Cry label for famous German bear manufacturer Stief the company that invented the teddy bear and has also done one for Supreme, an item which appeared in the 2018 edition of the book series. And on top of all that, there are of course many, many limited edition sneakers and sneaker collabs beautifully photographed with informative mini essays accompanying each one. As I said, these books are expensive. They are produced independently in Paris and by the time they reach me here in Canada, I'll have paid well over $100 a copy. The editions sell out and go out of print quickly, which makes finding the editions from previous years a costly and sometimes arduous adventure. But to me, it's worth it. Even the price is worth it. Like the man that created the series, I love interacting with my words and pictures in physical form. I love pulling books off the shelf and flipping through them, admiring the pictures, trying not to stain the pages with my fingerprints, 
reading the words and then sliding the books back on the shelf where I know they'll always be waiting for another flip through. I think of All Gone as luxury books about luxury items. They are, as Dupoy has said in interviews, like encyclopedias, catalogs of that year's fine items. And if someone else were doing the same, they surely would include the All Gone books in their list of the best street culture has to offer year after year. As I said, All Gone has little write-ups about all of the items in the books, why they're in there and how they came to be. But some sneaker books let the pictures speak for themselves. Nike SB's The Dunk Book is a beautifully designed book that features little more than big, bright pictures of Nike SB dunks and people skating them. It contains the odd quote from a member of the Nike SB team on what that particular shoe meant to them, but for the most part, it lets the shoes speak for themselves. A couple of other books that document the intersection of skateboarding and street culture are are both Fiden and Rizzoli's Supreme Retrospectives, which more or less tell the same stories but in different ways and which both tell their stories with photographs rather than words. There isn't a whole lot of sneaker content in those books. I don't actually think there's anything about sneakers in the Rizzoli one. But Supreme's effect on the sneaker industry cannot be overstated, and the books do a good job showing why the brand has been the cultural juggernaut it has over the past several decades. A lot of these books we've spoken about have been concerned with telling sneaker stories through pictures and visual compendiums, but no list of the best sneaker books would be complete without the eyewitness accounts. Stan Smith's Some People Think I'm a Shoe is a history not only of the Adidas Stan Smith, one of the most successful sneakers ever made, but of who the real Stan Smith actually was and is told by the man himself. There's lots about his career in tennis, about his relationship with Adidas, and of course, about his life as an iconic sneaker. But an even better and more detailed account of the sneaker life is, of course, Phil Knight's best-selling memoir, Shoe Dog, which came out in 2016. To say that Shoe Dog is required reading for anyone who has even a passing interest in Nike or indeed the sneaker industry in general would be an understatement. Knight, who started Nike in 1964 as Blue Ribbon Sports, by selling Onitsuka Tiger shoes he brought back to America from Japan and sold out of the back of his car to runners and Olympic hopefuls, tells a lifetime's worth of stories as one of the most successful businessmen in America. There are many fascinating, eye-opening anecdotes about Nike's many near failures early in its existence, and all of the stories you could want about famous Nike athletes like Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, and Michael Jordan. It's a great read, but one of the most interesting aspects of this book's existence is that Knight is a famously shy and recluse man. He almost never does interviews and is rarely ever seen in public. It's safe to say that Shoe Dog is the first and last word you'll get from the man on the subject. Obviously, there are many, many more sneaker books out there that I couldn't get into this episode. Books like Sneakers, The Complete Collector's Guide, Complex's Sneaker of the Year book, and Creative Soul, Japanese Sneaker Culture, are all worth checking out. And with sneaker culture here to stay and such a massive part of the fashion industry, there will be many more to come. Sneaker Freaker's aforementioned book will be out in a few months, and Paris's fa- famous sneaker curator and collector Larry Deadstock's 1000 Deadstock Sneakers book, which is out this week actually, are both worth keeping your eyes peeled for. But that's our episode. Thanks for hanging out and talking books with me. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Soul Food will be back in a couple of weeks with more sneaker content. In the meantime, please 
Take care of yourselves.